that's actually. Oh, look! All I'm saying is, Spencer, even. if you're sexist, you can just tell us. Like it's cool. Yeah, you can fucking you can tell us right now. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll tell you when we start. You know. Um, Put it on record. What if we? Already yeah. Have? No, I wanted to. Be... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Spencer, no, back up uh, from the mic, by the way. Jesus. Okay. I just wanted yeah. to hold it like. I don't. Gio could hold his mic. Why can't I hold my mic? No, no, no. You, you, wherever you said that last sentence from is the correct. <laughs> is the correct area. All right. And Gio gets hold yes. his mic because he's the MC. All right. <laughs> I don't know. He's not the what? I guess. I mean, he. I guess you're more the MC, but whatever. Bro, MC Hammer, and so Gio doesn't get mad at me. Let's hit this. Yeah, put it put on the fucking camera, that's dude. And there we go. That's what I thought. You got some new art? Come on. Is that new? Yeah, that's new. The map? No, I've just never taken. This is oh. where I take my work calls, but usually when we do the pod, I like to sit on the couch. But I have to oh, of course. set things up this time. But this is the album wall. Um, oh yeah, beautiful. So from actually, Geo as music guy, let's see how many of them you can name. Uh, from a, from a weird to- angle. Top one's Tom Petty. I could not tell you the album name. I know the album. Uh, definitely more okay. visual. Obviously, uh, MGMT. Uh, MGMT, what is it called? Like, fucking... I don't That's even not know. for you, Gio. This is for Aaron. Just oh. for the record. Aaron. Continue. Eagles Hotel, California. Uh, one at the very bottom. Do not recognize uh, the Sunset one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also do not... Re- yeah, don't recognize those bottom three. Maybe, that, least- maybe that middle one. Uh, I don't know, but... It's exactly wait, wait, how I wait, thought wait. I go. got one of them. I got one of them. Taylor Swift, uh, Midnight's, I believe. Attaboy. Oh, is that? I can't even. Uh... Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a hard one to tell. That, that one's, yeah. it's got a weird structure to it. That one. I like it. I like it. So, top the bottom, it goes, uh, Dan the Torpedoes, Oracular Spectacular, Hotel California. God, uh, how are you that bad at pointing at things? <laughs> I knew you were going to point it. Dude, Oracular how? Spectacular. Um... <laughs> Midnight, uh, and then A Letter to My Younger Self by Queen92, and Pacifico by Surfaces, and let me go grab the three. Oh, I actually have others that I just purchased. Hold on. Hey, hey, new purchases? New purchases. Also, if he yeah. keeps uh, moving his computer while we record, I'm going to blow my brains out. <laughs> Aaron, don't blow your brains out. Did you hear I that? Shown you, I haven't shown you my new albums yet. Oh, you have your headphones. Okay. Yeah. God damn it. So, um... Also not new, but over there I have four more. Dayglow, Olivia Rodrigo, Camp, Colony House. They're great. Beautiful, mm. beautiful. Aaron, the bag is going to crinkle. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, that's, okay, that, that's fine. I'm Are just we saying. recording? Yeah, we're recording for sure. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I didn't know they, well, I didn't know shit. He could have just gave me a heads up. I thought we, nah, we, no, no, we, no. We, we want to be natural. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, is, you're is. like a real Taylor Swift guy now. That's this is my crazy. This is my favorite Taylor Swift album, 1989, which she's about to release Taylor's version of. Very excited. Uh, can well, you explain um, that to me, by the way, after we get through these records? Because I don't understand what this whole Taylor's version is about. Oh, yeah, so I got you. New. Okay, all right. Because so I, I was interested, yeah. but I wasn't <laughs> interested enough to do the research myself. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Love that. Hologram. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. 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 God, say the album, Spencer, so that like in case I use this. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh the first one was Taylor Swift nineteen eighty nine. Second one is Because the Internet, Childish Gambino. Classic. Very cool album cover. That's a real that's uh, a nice one. It looks like holographic. Is that yeah, I didn't even yeah. know it was holographic in vinyl form. I've only yeah, that's it cool. I like that a lot. This next one, and I just wanna uh emphasize that it's important to separate the art from the artist. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, he's holding up. That's why he's the. He's go. holding up R. Kelly pump, bumping ground. <laughs> at the moment. I mean, oh, you're saying R. Kelly in the closet very, on vinyl. Slightly controversial. <laughs> I am. I am holding up the deluxe collector set of Kanye West's criminally underrated album "808s and Heartbreaks." Oh, so like you, you'd say you're a big fan then if you got the deluxe, like the deluxe version. That's the only one they sell. Oh. Why would you get the Why would you get the regular? I guess, version I guess you're right. Why still. would you do that? Yes, and Aaron, to answer your question, Taylor's version is a movement, and let me explain. Okay. So, and I, I, I don't understand why you don't know because you actually told me a little bit ago that you actually like this that she, um, is trying to get her masters back. So she's been re-recording her albums that way she owns the album. So any album that comes out that's Taylor's Um... version, 
that she now owns that, not the record company that screwed her when she was an artist didn't have any power. Understood. Well, that See, I, I, yeah. I knew like the context. I didn't know that that was being called Taylor's version. I really like that. I like that she's doing that. It's smart. Uh, but also yeah. fuck her because she's ruined the concert industry. She's ruined it. I don't know that it's really on As, her. It's on her. Ticket, what do you, what do you mean? Ticketmaster has actually ruined the concert is. industry. <laughs> she's not the only artist that uses Ticketmaster. Uh, it's not just Ticketmaster. It's her tickets. Like they're they're abs- they're ridiculous prices. They've ruined the Ticket concert Master industry. Ticketmaster has literally monopolized the entire live 70%? music selling that, that, industry. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sure. I mean, you know. What? I mean, I, hey, Aaron, all, all I'm reason... saying, all I'm saying is, is I, I spearheaded the first live concert back that was above uh, ten thousand people in Southern California, and we didn't use Ticketmaster. What all you, I'm saying, and all, all I'm, I'm saying, saying is that the saying. way Ticketmaster works is that it uses dynamic pricing. So when all these Taylor Swift fans rush in at her set prices, t- Ticketmaster is the one that raises it to insane exponential prices. Mm-hmm. That's not. I'm, I'm saying the baseline of her ticket prices are still insane. That's all I'm saying. Is it insane if it? eighty thousand people buy them? Is it insane? Yes. If I'm paying, what's the ba- okay, if what's I'm the paying six hundred dollars to sit in like the the back well, row, fucking twelve hundred miles away from the fucking venue, like what? That is the inflated price, though. I think baseline take. I yeah. mean, like what you're paying, like one fifty baseline. Before like inflation. Okay. All right. I guess that's fair. Because that's like Look, that's average. You're gonna pay that for the weekend. All I know. Uh, all I know is I hear about this in meetings at work. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just promise the three of us right now, on this episode, that when we inevitably get to the st- the stage of life when we're selling out stadiums, yep. we won't use Ticketmaster. Uh, ticket, virtual ticket, handshake. Hey, ticket sauce. That's, that's the goats right there. Ticket virtual sauce. Virtual handshake. In person, tickets only, and by <laughs> messenger pigeon. That'd be crazy if we did that. It would be insane. The most obscure possible ways to buy tickets, like like through the dark web. You have to buy <laughs> Craigslist. God, you know what I mean? We, we'll give like check only. One guy. Check only. Fill we'll your checks. Not to randoms, a and then tell check. them you can sell these on Craigslist. You got to make a profile. We'll sell. We'll handle we'll like fifteen Dude. each. Sponsored by Craigslist. That would be we huge. could bring them back. I don't think they ever left. I think they're like silently um yeah, they silently are, dominant. You they're know, like, like, like a Sriracha? silent soldier. It's like, like the Sriracha? mug root beer of the internet. Yo. I think mug root is, yeah, I think I think I think it's second to barks. Probably. I agree. Now, with are that. they struggling? They're probably struggling. Sure, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what? how the root beer industry's doing, you know. I mean probably I, I'm I'm personally a big proprietor of root beer. Yeah, it's Barrett, the, it's the only soda I I have drinking in the last like probably five years. Oh no, peach you, coke! Forgot about peach coke. Come on, yeah, peach that's, coke! That's Gotta get peach the only coke. Soda I've drinking. We're, we're watching two movies. Come on, five years. <laughs> that might have been, you, you might have been the best. It's the easy. It's the easy equation. Easy Dude, mathematics. That might be the funniest thing Gio's ever said to me. <laughs> I lost my mind when he said that. Wait, you gotta tell me again. You gotta tell me again because now I'm. Uh, uh, I, I know, so, so we were, it, okay. You, you want me to tell? Or you want to tell it, Spencer? I I can tell it. So okay, go for it. We had this tradition. Uh, crazy enough, like I think six, seven years in. Um where friend group would get together uh and we would watch a couple movies uh at my place my dad would cook up some barbecue uh grab some sodas go watch a movie and so the tradition is we 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 commune in the garage you know we break bread uh we catch up we talk uh and then after you know a couple hours there go upstairs and and enjoy some some films uh (laughs) and we're all sitting on the couch just eight dudes cuddled together on one couch and Gio walks in um, with two glass Coke bottles. And I said, Gio, two bottles? And he goes, well, we're watching two movies, aren't we? And it was just like the, the very matter-of-fact delivery that just absolutely like broke Aaron. And he's just like, <laughs> like healed over, just like cracking up. Um, that shit cut that, me to my core, yeah. dude. That was so fucking funny. Yeah, I don't know why. That, it killed me. is honest. Okay, all I can do is I know. That's all. <laughs> oh, God. That's that's probably, like, top five hardest I've ever laughed in my entire life, I think. I don't know why. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, you made the top five list. <laughs> Thank you. 
honored. I'm honored. Well, <laughs> fellas, <laughs> this is a, a weird moment, I think, now, because we know Aaron's been recording, but we never actually decided on which movie we're going to do <laughs> that's, first. That's right! I forgot about that. <laughs> so, and that's a good a intro, too. Inside hey, baseball right Yeah, now? Inside Baseball, we decide here. <laughs> I feel like this is, out of all the ones to give Inside Baseball on, this is a good one because Probably, yeah. of the two movies we're deciding between. Spencer, do you um, want to announce the, at least yeah. the two movies we're deciding between? Sure. I also love that earlier today I texted, guys, can we please keep it tight? I have to get up, like, in six hours. And Aaron's like, how about we each present a case for which movie we do first? <laughs> Before the... Before we even record the two episodes. Hey, I'm not the one that was using fucking Discord through Chrome, alright? I, I, I'm mad at You're the only one about that it. wasn't! I'm mad, I'm mad about both of you. I'm mad at both of you. I'm not thrilled right. either, but we'll make it work. The two movies are Barbie and Oppenheimer, uh, communally known as Barbenheimer. Uh, we're recording them back-to-back. The three of us need to decide which one we want to do first. Aaron and I want to do Barbie first. We want to start with the lighter one, kind of, you know, get the juices pumping, getting it flowing, getting ready. Um, Geo, the psychopath he is, wants to go Oppenheimer before Barbie. I feel like Geo can... did this correct. I actually did this correct (laughs) because this is the exact way, the exact order that I watched them, okay? Oppenheimer, then Barbie. I did it correct. You start off with the Oppenheimer, you know, the turn your brain off. Right, what? just chill, chill with the family movie. Then you <laughs> off the day with the thought-provoking, right, socio-political commentary of the Barbie movie to leave you with something to think about, something to chill your bones when you get home, something to really sit with you for the next twenty-four or forty-eight. You know, something to talk that's, about that's the, how I with it. the misses after. Exactly, <laughs> that's how I did it. Okay, and I did it correct, and I'm doing, and I'm saying. This is the correct way now, too, because Oppenheimer, crazy easy, it, straightforward as it gets, okay? <laughs> this is a one-two punch. It kind right? of is. This is as straightforward as it gets, all right? This is Oppenheimer, all right? We're not talking fucking, I don't know, MC Hammer. We're not talking We're not talking about a complex life here, you know? Spencer, he's kind of <laughs> swaying me, I'm going to be honest. He's no, he's not! Me, he's talking kind of <laughs> eloquently. I, I might be on his side here. I'm on the fence. Now you present your. Now you present your. Uh, give me your case. Give me. Get, yeah, yeah. I want to hear it. I'm Aaron, on the fence now. Aaron, Aaron, let me just hold my neck high real quick. Here's my case. Shit. He's got. Here's a point. my case. Here's my case. All right. Oppenheimer is the heavier of the films. All all the bits aside that Geo is doing right now, all the memes he's throwing our way. Oppenheimer is the heavier film. You can't tell me that when that movie ended, you didn't walk away going, oh, oh my god. Like, that was how I walked away. Actually stressed. Okay, wait, wait. Actually I have a concerned. counterpoint. Counterpoint, Your Honor. Uh, see, now now, now Geo's points are, are building together in my brain. Um, Do, do I want to end tonight recording both of these? And do I want to go home, or do I want to go to bed tonight thinking about, like, all this heavy stuff? When I, we could have, like, a fun, goofy time talking about the Barbie movie? Ooh. All right, continue. Bailiff, let him continue. Well, I am bubbling with rage right now. <laughs> I am, That's crazy. Why are you so mad? I am, I am unironically furious that you are doing this to me right now. <laughs> well, you didn't, you didn't like serial you, defense? No, no. This is you to a T. <laughs> and this is the three friendship dynamic we have with Geo. <laughs> where I know you agree with me, but you'll do what Geo wants for the sake of making me mad. You are... You are a flimsy man. You stand on Don't not solid flimsy. ground. You're a flimsy man. Th- knock me flimsy over. Man. Knock me over. I, knock, if, <laughs> I, I'll knock you over emotionally and morally and philosophically. That's what I'll do. Not physically because you're built like a tank. That you're built, right. you're built like a sponge a with water. You stand Yeah, thank you, Geo. I disagree with you, but I appreciate the support. Aaron, you stand on a house of guards. <laughs> You stand. I stand on right. rock solid ground. Okay. To be fair, Listen, that is I the think... dynamic that I built. But in defense, I, he actually did kind of sway me a little bit. I might not believe in evolution anymore. We can agree to disagree <laughs> and just start with Oppenheimer. You know. I, I honestly. <laughs> okay. All right. You know what? I'm flipping a coin. I'm flipping. I'm actually flipping a coin. I'm flipping. Right. I'm flipping a two pound. 
uh, two pound coin from England. Uh, Spencer, do you want to call in the air? You've, you've never been to England. Uh, yeah, but I have coins from there. You want to call in the air? With heads. Heads. It's tails, ladies and gentlemen. It wasn't on camera. We don't have any proof. I swear, I'll take a picture of it. I haven't moved my arm. Whatever. Oppenheimer right. first. Uh, Guys, not. today's movie is <laughs> Oppenheimer. Geo, do, do your thing. What a great way to start the podcast. I'm getting my water. Grab your water, brother. Shit, I don't have my water either. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, I connected with Oppenheimer. You know? It was, it was my kind of movie. You know? It was your kind of movie? It was my kind of movie, you know. Well, well, Spence, and, since Spencer's like uh, boycotting and like getting his water, Geo, why don't you hit us with the the nitro, my brother? <laughs> I'd be happy to, Sir Buffington. Yep, there's no doubt about it. Oppenheimer is literally me, with a propensity to see things that aren't there, letting his intrusive thoughts win, and crippling tobacco addiction. J-Row is all ass and class in this next installment to the Cillian Murphy Extended Universe. Here, Christopher Nolan used his camera like a proctologist and set out to make his actors as uncomfortable as possible with a camera where the sun don't shine. With enough old white guy wrinkles to satisfy even the staunchest Toronto sexuals in the audience and awaken a few new ones, Oppenheimer takes us through the life of the man responsible for directing the Manhattan Project. Hailed as the father of the atomic bomb, most people know him as that Bhagavad Gita guy. While there's plenty of Gita to go around this movie, the young Oppie spends most of his time hogging a bad ass, with Emily Blunt playing his ride or die and Florence Pugh as his depressed side piece. All this makes for one of the best <laughs> biopics of the 21st century and a fantastic way to turn your brain off and unwind after the heavy political commentary and cultural themes of the Barbie movie. Fellas, let's get physical. Physical, physical, let's get physical, physical. Oppenheimer was amazing. This was, I think, from the opening frame, I was engrossed. And literally, like, it, it's a thing where, like, the movie ends and it sits with you. Like, I went back to my hotel and, like, laid down on my pull-out couch. And I was like, <laughs> I, I I don't know if I could sleep. Like, because I, I didn't do what Geo did. Not by choice. I did Barbie, then Oppenheimer. Tough. Mm. Uh, and so it really simmered. I didn't get that, uh, I didn't get that dessert to take my mind off that heavy steak, you know? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just felt a... I felt the the bone there on the blood, like just sitting within me and settling within my stomach and my bones, and it really, dude, I I, <laughs> I can't remember like uh, there's been times like when I walk, I move, I'm like like rare times, I'm like man, that was like amazing, and I really felt it. This was different. I walked out, I was like, I think I'm concerned about humanity. Like I don't know <laughs> if I like where we're going, uh, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> to do that while also being an incredibly entertaining and like engrossing film uh speaks volumes and and I went back like I thought about the opening frame after I was like oh man like that that simple opening frame that opened the movie of just raindrops is like a whole new context after that ending um it made me think that Christopher Nolan is underappreciated as a screenwriter we talk about the director Christopher Nolan all the time mm. but seeing how that story was pieced together the dialogue the that whole ending scene um, with the the chain reaction and the double meaning that they use behind it, I was like, this is incredible. Um, mm. And those are my my high level thoughts uh, that I uh, I want to get out there. I want to talk about the, you know your guys's thoughts and then more details in it. And I also want to talk about our viewing experiences because I know that this is like I think one of the biggest movie events of our lives so i want to get into that as well i would hold, love hold to on. start there let's stop let's possible. stop let's stop there biggest movie experience of our lives really you think so i'm just i'm not i'm not saying it isn't i'm just saying i'm, I'm, I'm saying just, i'm just asking like barbie oppenheimer together the double feature absolutely that's no question yeah i understand i think understood. that's no i thought you were saying just oppenheimer and i was i was a little confused no <laughs> if it was just i i mean don't get me wrong i was pumped for oppenheimer like really yeah. really excited mm-hmm. 
but it's the combination of those two of two original stories dominating uh just the culture not just movie yeah. culture but like american culture for mm-hmm. weeks leading up to it uh in a time where movies don't do that anymore yeah uh, it was insane fourth Absolutely. highest fourth highest grossing weekend of all time um wow it's the large Barbie has become the largest uh, female directed movie um, in terms of box office gross. Mm. It passed the Oppenheimer, billion, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Oppenheimer has yeah. become uh, the lar- the highest grossing World War II film. Uh, so I mean, these both are just shattering records, and there's just so much to love about like everything Barbenheimer related. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I loved it. Um, oh, yeah. My viewing experience was Barbie at eight o'clock. Oppenheimer at 1030. Jesus. Um, a double feature in Denver, Colorado. Um, I was uh, just visiting for the week and we had a very, it was myself and my two friends, Rohan and Rose. Um, Rohan is a fellow very big movie fan. Rose is mm. not. Um, and she texted us in our group chat a few days before we left and said, Hey guys, like I know you're really excited for the movies on Friday, but I was thinking, you know, we could really see movies anywhere and anytime. Maybe since we're in Colorado, we could like, you know, go on a hike or something, go to the mountains. And I texted Rohan individually, and I just said, no. (laughs) 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 He said he sent like a a very nice message. She's like, oh yeah, we should definitely do it. And she had a great time; it was super fun. but yeah, I got home from Oppenheimer at like two thirty in the morning and actually went to a and slept on a pullout couch. It was like having like a crisis. Um, <laughs> so that that was probably my big takeaway. I would also add to it that Oppenheimer and IMAX was amazing, um, mm-hmm. and I would say that like it's when I think of my best movie theater going experiences, this is up there. I put it up there with. Um, once upon a time in Hollywood premiere at Quentin Tarantino's theater, mm. and hear me out on this, but um, when we were, gee, I don't know if you're there with us, but probably like seventeen, and we went to the Infinity War premiere like Thursday yeah. night with like a group of like ten friends. Um, I put those three out there because of just the energy in the building leading up to those events. Mm. Um, it was awesome. I, I don't know. I want to hear about your guys's, but at ours, like. Everybody was in costume. Everybody was walking around. Both theaters were completely sold out. Like it was great, and mm-hmm. it was. I was like, "This is what I've always wanted," and you know, mm-hmm. to, to experience that was was awesome. Aaron, uh, how'd you, yeah, how'd you mine, see it? mine is a little bit different than your guys's, just because you could say, I, you like, could say worse. You could yeah, say worse. yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess worse is is the correct play, but I mean, not like. I, I did end up watching them not back to back. I watched mm. I watched Barbie like opening weekend, and then I watched Oppenheimer the next weekend because I'm like you know busy. <laughs> but oh. uh, no, I, honestly, I just I didn't have anyone to see Oppenheimer with like the first weekend. Like none of my family was super like. Oh no no, no. my family did go see it actually, and I wasn't able to join them for some reason or other. I can't remember what mm. it was, but I skip out on Oppenheimer. Um, but then I watched it, like I said, the next weekend after, um, mm. but I, I, I didn't really get that experience at either of them. No one was really dressed up for Barbie, uh, at the, I, I guess I shouldn't say the fucking theater, but at like just the local mm. theater, you know? Um, and then Oppenheimer, I saw at the same theater and you guys know the theater I'm talking about, but it, yeah, not, nobody really dressed up for it. So I didn't get that. Um, but yeah, it, I, I definitely don't think that i would compare at least my experience personally to like something like infinity war you know what i mean and because mm-hmm. i totally get what you mean about that spencer that was like a unique experience i'm not a big marvel guy i'm not a big marvel movie guy but going mm-hmm. to see infinity war with that group of like like 10 or 12 people that we went with sitting front mm-hmm. row and waiting there for like you know three hours Seven hours Mm-hmm. It was set, we got there midday. It was the half. That's day. that's true. We got out of school early that day and went to go fucking see this movie, which is this crazy. Was, yeah, before reserve seating, which yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. Lie, I was very opposed to them getting rid of it because I was sad about missing out on moments like that. Yeah, um, I do see the the pros of it for every other movie going experience, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, that was like literally when you were just waiting in that line of just like all these other diehards that are also mm-hmm. super committed to it. Yeah, um, it was a fun that, experience. It was yeah. it was a it was good awesome. time, and that was actually like 
I mean, I, I know we're all super tapped out on MCU stuff, um, but I think Marvel was doing like they were still putting out films at that point. I was like, I'm, I'm interested because it wasn't mm. like 20 projects a year. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was like and, three or four or whatever it is. Yeah, and Infinity War was. I remember that ending and be like, what? Like that was mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that that's up there for sure. Um, but Aaron, I'm sorry that you didn't get the the awesome Barbenheimer experience. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Gonna, I mean, I still like the movies, you know. Like, I still like. I'm gonna stamp. I'm gonna stamp on your negative um, viewing experience and say, mine was awesome. I, I fucking, <laughs> I fucking, I, Thanks, Gio. Oh my Thanks. god, I had a great time. I had a fucking yeah. amazing time, man. Let me god, tell you, glad, man. gosh, let me just let me just gloat here for a sec. The Barb. So I did the Barbenheimer first weekend opening uh, on the Friday, not the Thursday, but um, still, I did it with uh, with Juge. Uh, with my queen and we yeah did Oppenheimer first and then Barbie uh, finished the day off and the energy was palpable in the in the cinema it was at the local theater as well uh, same one that Aaron went to um, but this one people definitely dressed up I mean crazy it was it was like it was easily 85% of everyone that was there was dressed in pink in some way shape or form like it was just it was almost like a uh, like like an unspoken truth that everyone's going to wear like some sort of pink, you know, in some way for Barbie. And uh, yeah. And, and the Oppenheimer screening was like basically sold out and same with the Barbie for sure sold out. And it was like all pink in the audience. Everyone, the entire time was laughing at Barbie, at least obviously not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oppenheimer. Not as, <laughs> yeah. Not, uh, Oppenheimer was a little bit less, but still, um, but yeah, Dude, no, it, and it was amazing. Yeah. I have it a was, question. Uh, for, uh -huh. for you, both of you guys, did anyone mm -hmm. in your theater like yell when Josh Peck came on the screen? Because God, no. I, I that shit was awesome. I could. I, that I, happened I, in your theater. I definitely, no, I definitely no it didn't. Do. But we, me and uh, I saw it with the boys, and we were like the whole time we were joking, like, dude, someone's gonna go up there and say, "Hug me, brother," or something like that, <laughs> like some shit like that. It was so good, dude. No, um, I did have a guy yell in my theater though. So oh, yeah. Here's a, like, I'm telling you, like, literally the energy at the, the theater I was at was just insane. Like, not just mm -hmm. in the actual auditoriums, but, like, in the lobby and everything. You were feeling mm -hmm. it. So, yeah. and there, it wasn't just my group. Like, a huge mass of people left Barbie and then went to Oppenheimer. Yeah. So, yeah. energy's palpable, right? It's at AMC. So, they, they run that Nicole Kidman uh, promo. Classic. At both mm -hmm. showings, Infamous. at Barbie and Oppenheimer, for the Nicole Kidman promo, people stood up and applauded, like, Jesus. ironically. It was yeah. amazing. Um, so they did Oppenheimer, stand up, applaud. It's it's great. Applause dies down, and some guy yells, "The Axis wins or what or loses?" Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's so, crazy. Major spoiler. So what's major even crazier spoiler. is Spencer's got fucking blonde hair, and blue eye. Anyway, continue, Spencer. <laughs> so yeah, literally huge applause. Energy's great. This guy next to me goes, "The Axis loses." And then silence. Like literally, I've never oh. heard a joke fall flatter than that one. Uh, um, like hundreds of people that are already pumped, and then you yell a joke, and they all unanimously go silent. I can't even imagine even the embarrassment that man was feeling in that moment. His, uh, yeah, his and face was red. he deserved it. Yeah, he his, deserved his it. body was <laughs> his hot and stuff. Yeah, I didn't have any yeah. any screamers in in, in mine. Uh, I did, you know, I'm I, I'm just getting back from uh, an IMAX 70 millimeter theater. Started at TCL at the Chinese theater this morning. Today? Yeah, today I'm getting back. This morning? Yeah, this morning I had to go. I had to fucking leave two hours early just just because of LA traffic. You know how that is. And then it took me two hours again to get back because uh, it's a fuck. It's a Thursday today, so it's it's not fun. <laughs> wait, but, wait, you your know, whole day was seeing this movie. <laughs> Yeah, 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 literally. I mean, I'm fucking dedicated. Look, I don't know about you guys. I love this. Shit. I believe this. Hold, right? hold on. Geo. So you, you saw Oppenheimer 70 millimeter film today. I'm, yeah, IMAX. Yeah. So, so IMAX. context for the audience that doesn't know there are only 19 theaters in America that actually are showing Oppenheimer on 70 millimeter film. Mm -hmm. So I think eight are in California, the rest are spread out. Uh, I also, Geo, I'm going to go see it on 70mm oh, film in IMAX. I didn't get to do it the first time because it's so hard to find. But yeah. there is one that happens to be in my city. So I'm seeing it nice. uh, in two weeks. But I we literally had to wait for like tickets to drop for it. And it's yeah, been out for almost crazy. a month now. 
Awesome. Yeah, so it's insane. They've extended the uh, the running for it through the end of August. Um, so it's going to be like a six week run now of the seventy mm-hmm. millimeter film. Yeah. Um, wow. And all all sold out. Like it was. Yeah. So I mean, That's I believe cool. it. He, he said it. Yeah. Christopher Nolan's like a bit like I'd argue the biggest proprietor of like going to see a movie in IMAX. You know, seventy millimeter. I mean, he's he's the first mm-hmm. one to have used an IMAX camera, right? I believe it's the Dark Knight. Yeah. That, that was so, the first yeah. movie to ever yeah, use Batman it. Begins, right? Or was it Batman Begins? No, 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 no. It was definitely the Dark Knight. It was Dark Knight. Cause, cause I remember so it because, yeah, the camera was so expensive broke. and they broke one of them in one of the chase yeah. scenes. And I I'm thought like, that was the Dark Knight Rises. They, they broke it. Oh, was it? I, I fuck if I know, dude. Because I, I, I can <laughs> I can see the uh, I can see the image. It was Anne Hathaway's stunt double uh, and she <laughs> she was riding the... I can see it like... Drop it in the chat. And, uh... Yeah, just she like rode expense. that That's that cool. like bike, <laughs> that like bike, and she rode it right into the camera. That that would get you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying. Gio said Anne Hathaway's stunt double, so I wanted to do like a drop it in the chat. Uh, yeah, when you get close to the mic, you're not supposed to keep the same level of volume. <laughs> God. <laughs> so Anyways. I, I, given that we're like thirty minutes into this recording already, you guys want to like talk about the movie? Or... <laughs> oh, I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we could. I mean, I, I'm, I'm also I'm about, also yeah. down I mean, to just already, yeah. talk about like the the like the fundamentals of like a movie premiere because that's just as interesting as I'd argue as the episode. Or as well, the, we, this is one of the best series. movies to come out, so we I feel like we should talk about <laughs> like it is actually but but wouldn't it be funny though think, think about this though imagine christopher nolan's like oh, i want to look up some random like reviews of the common man watches our our, our podcast doesn't yeah. we don't even talk about the movie how funny would yeah. that be we're just talking about how he broke one of the cameras he's like i don't know what are they doing on them board they're talking about <laughs> is he british Christopher what is, is that? British. What, what British is accent is hello? Hello, and talking about my movie. In a stupid way. They're not even talking about my movie. Well, you're, you're doing the <laughs> accent that was like the well, at least our schools like that accent. <laughs> like, you're, not, you're not even doing British. You're doing like fake fucking like uh, yeah. mean British. Yeah, the best kind. Yeah, well, I mean, the, come on. I cream your yeah. ankles. I put your cream on your ankles. Those you damn know Kahlua hot ones. Before I forget, yeah, yeah, got you. Fucking Roderick was in the shout movie. out. Roderick from fuck. Let's from go Diary through the cast real quick. Can we go through the cast? Roderick? The cast is stat, bro. They that's got number one. Aaron. They got the guy from your favorite got, Christmas movie in there. That's why I wanted to go through the cast, Spencer. Bernard. We have we have motherfucking Bernard in this bitch. Do you know how happy Bernard. it was? I didn't even know he was going to be in the movie. So, he looks great, by the way. He, he hasn't aged a day. Hasn't aged a day. <laughs> hasn't aged a goddamn day. That, I, what, what is the actor's name? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Gonna, David Crumholtz. David Crumholtz is the goat. Big fan. He's the goat. I'm a big fan. I love his work. Every single movie he's been in. Shout out mm. to um, what what's the other movie? Other mov- big movie he was in um, the one oh. with uh, uh River the Phoenix. Fucking, uh, Ten things I hate about you. Yes, thank you, Geo. Great movie. Yeah, Ten things he I was hate great about in you. that movie as well. Fucking Hilarious. the goat, the, the greatest yeah. of all time. They also have the guy from the Naked Brothers band. One of the Naked Brothers. Shout out the Naked Brothers. Shit. Uh, yeah, one of the Naked Brothers was in this. They they oh, also right. have one of the one of the main characters from the boys in it as well as a very minor role, but he's still in it. Oh, Josh sure. Peck as we named earlier Obviously, of course come on like yeah no. uh, we're talking about how casey affleck shows casey affleck a very talented actor shows up for like one or two scenes yep like, and he's and he this cast him. run yeah the cast runs deep oh yeah. gary oldman yeah gary oldman oh, harry, yeah, harry oldman playing playing one of the uh one of the worst presidents <laughs> i think i've ever had the uh, had the displeasure of of knowing but but playing him beautifully Gio. Oh, excellent! What, what was his line when he was leaving the room? Like, don't ever let that like... don't leave, don't let that crybaby back in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was a real line, but it wasn't said there. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, just, it was he, a he it was like a, a real memo. thing said by Truman. Yeah, yeah. He sent a memo after Oppenheimer like criticized some like uh, how they were you know handling like the nuclear arms after the war and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, he said uh, that crybaby scientist. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Harry S. Truman basically was he's him and and. Uh, LBJ, you know, bottoms. Shout out. Really. I mean, LBJ starred Vietnam. Harry S. Truman, basically responsible for the Cold War. I mean, 
without question. But, if you, yeah. Gee, we, we went to the LPJ Museum together. Look. Does that mean you could be critical? Later? You could be critical. Spencer's a big Republican guy, Gio. It's okay. Like, it's fine. <laughs> I don't think he's not even a Republican. Okay, but he might as well be. Was he a Democrat? He was a Democrat, yeah. Technically, but it was the 60s, so also. Yeah, yeah exactly. Was everyone was a conservative, just, you know, everyone yeah. wore blue. And McCarthy. And blue dogs, baby. McCarthy the blue era. dog the Democrats. Blue, the blue dog oh. Democrats. McCarthy era, you know what I mean? But, no, I, hey, yeah, I mean, you know how it is. McCarthyism. Uh, I mean, you said it, Spence, though. Like, seriously, this is one of those movies that just stays with you. After, like you said, like it's just it makes you think about so much that ending. I mean, the way they yeah. bring everything together. It's, I mean, overall, like I, I think uh, I would love to start right here. The way this movie balances the timelines is amazing, yes. is incredible, impeccable. Oh, yeah. Like really, like the Strauss, you know, and how he does it, like the Strauss in black and white, the yeah. Oppenheimer in color. You know, there's like three timelines that he's balancing here, and he like he does it so beautifully, and like. You like you're kind of following, but it's still that Nolan thing where you're kind of like trying to catch up. You're trying to like figure out, I guess, still what's going on. But by the end, it all just like synergizes so well, just so well. It all it, like it makes a whole confluence there. And oh my gosh, can we talk about the score? Because this whole movie, yes, I maybe yes. it was just me, but I feel like that score really just made this whole thing, along with everything else, obviously, made this whole thing move forward like a just like chugging like a train it felt like it wasn't really yeah. repeating the score it was just great it was great how they were balancing well there was one recurring element of the score and what made me love it like literally a very rare time i don't know if i could think about another time at least not the top of my head where like the score showed up visually in the film and i went whoa and here's what it was there was throughout the movie the like that kind of like um what i just assumed to be drums like the bum 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 like kind of that very fast paced mm-hmm. emphatic hard yeah. beat drum and i yeah i just assumed it was drums and then towards the end of the movie we finally get to the scene where they're celebrating um the bombing of japan and it's the people stomping their feet on the bleachers in celebration and that was what you were hearing throughout the movie and you didn't know it a reveal well who thinks of that that's amazing he does it. He does it, and it's crazy because I don't know if I mean I'm sure you got. I'm, uh, it's I think it's a meme by this point. You know, can you hear the music? You know, like like uh, like like I don't think it's loud enough, Nolan. You know, Chris, I don't think it's loud enough. Let's let's put up. Let's bump it up. Because like ninety eight percent of this movie has a score running underneath. Oh yeah, but I loved it. I loved it. Like it. it like uh, again, like just the way uh, the obviously the score along with his camera techniques, camera work, and like how they compose everything, how they work everything together uh and execute uh it like makes i don't know he has that way of making regular dialogue scenes feel like action scenes you know you get what, yeah. you know what i'm saying like all, everything if it was just dudes in a room talking most of it there was the bomb Jason Clark. The yeah it, you know like it was just dudes in a room talking but it felt like like action scenes and there was nothing there was no actual action for him to like fall back on it was just but it felt like intense. I felt like exhilarated. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Aaron, go ahead. I think we, I think we talked about it during the, um, the town a movie or a, a pod that we recorded kind of recently. Um, mm-hmm. but the most intense scene in that movie that we talked about was a dinner date. And that is like, th- this movie takes that concept and puts it on fucking steroids where it's a movie about, you know, one of the, uh, you know, say what you will greatest worst like one of the most advanced things that humans have ever done right and and Mm -hmm. it and that is like a almost an afterthought to the actual movie it's like you're talking about like people in the room like sitting there arguing about the math of if we explode this bomb is the atmosphere gonna like just incinerate insane yeah Yeah. And, and and that and it makes that so like just interesting, digestible, and, and another another thing that I really like about this movie is um, the way that it's edited. Gio, you touched on it a bit, but the way that it's structured in that it's non-linear. Uh, you cut, you're cutting back and forth between like three different timelines or three different points in history, and mo- and all those moving forward at the same time. It's it, honestly a, a movie hasn't done that concept well since Memento. Like one of Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan's first movies, and, and like 
Oh, oh you calling a timeout? Let's hear it. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna. I was just throw Inception out there. Is also doing a very good job. That's true. Between different oh, yeah, I I I, th- I would argue that both of those movies are do that concept better than Inception. Yeah. I, 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 from from an editing standpoint, not necessarily from a narrative standpoint, but from an editing standpoint, where and even, like the way that you're structuring different things in different places, uh, and and stuff like that, not necessarily a narrative standpoint. And I think you know what uh, I think it, it, that's another that, that's another thing that Nolan gets kind of like criticized for, and I especially I kind of heard it here uh, for this for Oppenheimer uh, a little bit too. Follow me here. Some people say that it kind of feel like his movies, and especially this one at least. It was like an endless movie trailer or montage because of like the music all the way throughout and like the editing, like the way way it's editing. But I feel like it, like and like obviously like the whole dialogue thing, like you can't hear the dialogue, blah blah blah. But I don't <laughs> feel like the like the the score, you know, um, silences the dialogue or whatever. I feel like it enhances it, I you know. And everything plays, everything, you know, synergize. Like I don't know, Nolan is able to kind of like communicate the weight of these conversations. Because again, it's just people, it's just dudes talking, and the psychological effects of their actions, like and how they have to like uh, and how they have to like make these decisions. And he's I don't know, he's able to make the the dialogue and everything just again feel like action scenes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, yeah, and he does that with the cinematography too. I mean, that's... oh yeah, the the cinematography is is excellent in this. I mean, if, if you guys want. We could transition to our our, oh, you know, our a, a great seg- just a great segment. Oh, the please. slap shot. Slap um, so, the so uh, I I gotta be honest here. I when I watch the movie in theaters, um, it I I like obviously I'm not gonna be the asshole. It's taking a fucking notepad to Barbie and Oppenheimer. <laughs> um, but did you do that, Spencer? Is that what you're giving me that look? No, it's just fun to envision you doing that though no god no i would never do that so i and usually like i have a pretty like bad memory uh so, so i like to write stuff down while i watch movies at least like when we watch them for the podcast because we're going to be talking about these movies in depth and i want to know exactly what i'm talking about obviously for this one i didn't get to do that because we're you know we, we i didn't have notes but one of my favorite uh like frames in the movie by far is when they're they're finally getting ready for like the big test right they're like this is it like we're gonna test this bomb that we're working on for you know uh, for two hours of the runtime of the movie you know a couple years in the context of the movie and the story um and and just this build-up is great but one of the the scenes in it is is uh, it's it's from a low angle and it's oppenheimer getting out of a car and he's on the left th- or maybe he's on the he's either on the left third or the right third and then the the big like uh tower thing that they're building to te- actually test the bomb is on the opposite third of him um mm-hmm. and, and i think it's just a great fucking shot um it, it just it, it it kind of encapsulates this like that the, what he's created is bigger than him it's 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 got more weight in the world than him it's just it, it's such a great way to frame the themes of the movie like right before we're getting to the climax essentially mm. of the bomb the first bomb going off and all of the chaos that ensues after the fact mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh yeah you the, the whole trinity test sequence of not hearing the sound immediately excellent sensational my theater was like you could yeah. hear a pin drop it was so quiet waiting for the the rush of the sound and it was just yeah. so exquisitely done yeah I'll, mm. I'll say even in my theater that was you know a week after the release of this movie i went to go see this and even in that theater where it was like you know half full you know or you know, maybe 75 percent full whatever um you could even hear a pin drop in that one. That's a week after mm-hmm. release. And as yeah. Spencer was kind of talking about earlier, you don't see that anymore. You know, it just doesn't happen in yeah. with, with like this post COVID world that we're living in where, where people are going to wait for movies to come out of Disney plus and Netflix and HBO max and shit like that. Yeah. We don't, we don't, you don't really get that. And, and even then, like you get people that go into the movies and their kids have like fucking iPads and stuff like that. It's like it's just not the sure. same anymore. It's yeah. like and and I feel like this movie really did take me back to a movie experience where like you know when we we were in high school and we used to go like see movies every other weekend or so and we'd you know mm-hmm. stuff like no, that. You how said. how it was before before COVID fucking murdered us. 
Yeah, yeah. No, you you said it. You said it. And I think it goes back to like again, like Christopher Nolan. He's the IMAX guy. But yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely saw some dudes just saying like, oh, I don't see the necessity, you know, for IMAX because the whole movie is just you know all white dudes, you know, seeing all white dude wrinkles, you know, blah blah. But I think like. I don't know the the cinematography like the like Hoyt of Van Hoytman. I think we've I think we've talked about him a few times already oh, on the yeah. podcast. Uh, but he just makes the cinematography, or he makes the small rooms feel massive, and all the conversations feel massive. Like they're telling this almost intimate story, but in a grand scale, like on a grand scale. If that makes sense, it's like a contrast or whatever. If that makes sense, I don't know. It's just something that popped in my head. What do you guys? Yeah, I, I think the you brought um, how the the most like just dialogue based scenes feel so intense earlier. I think both of you guys did. The one that co- comes to my mind is towards the end in the kind of like makeshift uh, courtroom kangaroo court, if you will, um, huh? where the walls start shaking and it gets super bright in the room and it's like the bomb is going off in the room and the score picks up bum, 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 and it's just like getting super intense and it cuts right. out. Perfect example of that, of like mm-hmm. taking a room with both dialogue and the way you shoot it and making it feel like so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he. Th- there's such a dynamic partnership between those two. And mm-hmm. I think Nolan like should get a lot of credit for having a dynamic partnership with the cinematographer, and having it be different cinematographers throughout his career. Because yep. mm-hmm. as always been Hoy, I think Hoyt's like done the last three. Maybe? Yeah, he mm-hmm. he did Interstellar um, for sure, um, and then he did Tenet for sure. I don't remember if he had done any other, but I know those are the big three that okay. he's done specifically with Nolan. Yeah, I know he's. I think Wally Fister was Nolan's guy before that, but I could be think wrong. so. Let me. I, so. I, I, I can fact check it while you're talking. Let me. Let me and now he's doing uh, scores with Ludwig, but before that it was Hans. Oh yeah. And either way, in all those movies, phenomenal scores. I listen to yeah. Inception, Interstellar scores all the time when I work, and so like no one does that great job of like, like he's somehow. Uh, the one thing I equated to, and it's not a perfect comparison, but like when a pitcher has a dominating career with two different teams. Uh, or like a quarterback or whatever, yeah. uh, of like, oh, if you did that once, like you're in the Hall of Fame. You did it twice? You have two Hall of Fame careers on your resume? Oh. That's that's like, I don't know that I can think of anybody that would fit into that category. Because um, even like, yeah, so uh, I think Nolan uh, is just like, our modern, he's our modern day Spielberg, like in the way that Spielberg was like, this big movie guy that also told great mm-hmm. stories in his peak. I know Aaron's a hater on him now, but in his peak, Tim was pretty goaded. Um, okay. <laughs> Again, <laughs> in his peak, uh, and no one's doing that now, and we're really close on time. So there was a question I want to ask you guys. Okay. Let's hear it. You don't have to do all 10, but how? give me your top five Nolan films. In order, if you can. Mm-hmm. And if it helps, because Aaron, I know you don't have the best memory. I can go first. Uh, no, I can go. Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Spence. Yeah, so my one and two, they kind of... Right now it's Dark Knight, the Interstellar, but they're really close. But I go Dark Knight, Interstellar, Inception, Oppenheimer, The Prestige. Mm. I think I have the same exact list except replace the prestige with uh, either Dunkirk or Tenet. Okay. You know what's crazy? I think we all have the same top four because I think those are my top four as well. I uh, can see that. I, I don't yeah. know what I'd put at five, though. I, I might be Tenet as well, honestly. Hold on. Let me let me make sure I'm not missing anything. Uh, I'm not missing anything crazy because D- Dunkirk, while I liked it, uh, I don't think it was anything too particularly special. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just one second. This. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, Memento too. I do really like Memento. As like, you know, it's not like the most professionally made movie ever done. It's not the best movie ever done, but I love a big swing. You know what I mean? 
Like, you gotta admit, that's early on in the career. This is before Batman. This is before mm-hmm. Inception. This is before Interstellar. Like, that, that that's a big swing. To do a movie mm-hmm. structured like that, and I think I have to respect that. I, I'm gonna give that number five. I've talked myself into it. Mm. All right. Nolan is the uh, record holder for most films in the IMDb Top 250. Crazy. Seven. Damn. Seven of his movies are in the IMDb Top 250. Oppenheimer currently comes in, uh, see if I can find it again, at number 31. One spot above Back to the Future. Crazy. Mm. One spot below Terminator 2 Judgment Day. <laughs> what in, wow. That's in the top 50? And just just because yeah. it's even crazier, the spot right above Terminator 2, so two above Oppenheimer, is Star Wars A New Hope. God and bless. the spot one below Back to the Future, so two below Oppenheimer, spirited away. That's crazy. Have you seen that movie, Spencer? Not yet, no. He hasn't gotten to the Ghibli phase of his animation. Um, yeah, you'll, you'll get, you'll grow up. Yeah. It's fine. But I, yeah. <laughs> I am seeing uh, tangentially related, I guess. But I'm seeing Old Boy for the first time next week. Crazy. The when the That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So. You know that that reminds me. Uh, this is this is also kind of tangential, but also like uh, it reminds me. So I so there's I don't think this this isn't Ghibli, but oh actually it might be. Um, I think we all know the. Movie Graveyard of Fireflies. Fuck yeah! Right? I do. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, That's of course. On my list uh, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you haven't seen? I'm sure, Aaron, you've seen it, right? Yeah, yeah I've seen it. I, I uh, think I've seen all the Ghibli movies at this point. When uh, when I was like, you know, when you kind of like reflect on these things, like it on the on this movie, or after like I was thinking about it, I'm like, because uh, obviously, I think there was like a big debate on like, you know, should he should Nolan have like shown what happened at like Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? Like, or like, should they have shown like a Japanese perspective, you know, uh, and stuff. And some people saying like, yeah, like others, no. And I was just thinking about like how other movies kind of dealt with that or like showed that, you know, graveyard of fireflies, obviously one, uh, or like maybe another example that was like done poorly or like that was just in bad taste or like, blah, blah. And like that line, Mm -hmm. which kind of walk. And it just made me think like how, a, do you think that no one needed or should have shown that, like the Japanese perspective of Hiroshima and Nagasaki? And B, how should or should not movies depict historical trauma? Well, I think that it, it depends on the movie that you want to make, right? Um, there's that famous example of um, the movie, I can't remember the opposite movie to it, but it's Letters to Iwo Jima. Um, mm. And then there's an opposite movie where it's from one of them's the American perspective, one of them's the Japanese yeah. perspective of the island hopping campaign and specifically the Battle of Iwo Jima. Um, and that's a great example of showing both sides, but in two different movies. You you, you got to remember one, one big thing about making uh, um, movies in particular, especially about war and conflict, it's like it'd be like making a painting you know what i mean and mm-hmm. uh and and calling the paint and it's a beautiful painting of like this beautiful woman and you call it juliet and like that's the title mm-hmm. of the 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 painting and then somebody goes oh well you why don't you put romeo in there it's like mm-hmm. do do you need both yeah. aspects of it can't you appreciate this piece of history without necessarily all the context because then you can get into the the debate of like oh should they have shown the perspective of like the the Japanese committing war crimes of on like uh, like China during this time too, and it's like you you, mm. you get so like caught up in like trying to not be like offensive, I almost yeah, and not to yeah. be like the guy that's like oh everyone's too offended nowadays. Like I'm not trying to sound like that, but I'm just saying like you you need to look at the movie as as what the director intended and what. And say what you will about Christopher Nolan, you know, some of his movies not might not be, like, my favorite, but goddamn, does he always have a purpose to them. And he, mm. I always know exactly what kind of, you could always tell he knows exactly what kind of movie he wants to make, and he, he is not going to, like, uh, you know, he's he's not going to give up on, on that just because the world doesn't want to, you know what I mean? Like, again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And just to answer your original question, G.L., no, he should not have shown it in this movie. 
This mm-hmm. movie is about Oppenheimer's life and the Trinity test. It's about the Manhattan mm-hmm. Project. Right. It's not about that. So yeah. I, I don't understand. Like, yeah. I, I did see there was some like subsets where it's like, how could you not show the, the bomb dropping on Japan? Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. not that movie. That's uh-huh. how you don't show it. Yeah, it's not a documentary. Like, it, it's yeah. it's a... It's a biopic. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, bio- a biopic. Dramatic narrative, you know, yeah. so to speak. You know, yeah, it, it's like, like you said, like, what was the intent? What was the purpose? You said it, Smith. This is Oppenheimer's perspective. You know, obviously, there's like the Strauss timeline and everything, but this is about Oppenheimer. This is, again, like, I feel like almost showing it, even if he did show it, it would have been disingenuous. This is Oppenheimer. This is like, it's obvious that this isn't, you know, a movie that goes for a cheap moralization you know trying to like mm-hmm. idolize this guy right yeah. it's like it's re- it really wants to explore a man grappling with the consequences of like his own achievement you know what i mean like this is the, this is the father of time blah 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 he's like he has a lot of moral like i don't know like it's these are impossible decisions that like he's being forced to make you know what i mean like the the whole action and i guess all the scientists too because uh, this was, I, I thought, like, an, another great thing that they did. Like, just they all felt complex. Like, this guy feels complex. Uh, anything, like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know how I would handle, like, these situations. Like, should you drop the bomb? Should you even participate? Like, the guy, Rabbi, he didn't technically participate in creating the bomb. He was only an advisor. But, like, should you drop it? Should you participate in making it? Should you not? Also, got to think, like, the Nazis are at this time. Like, that influenced a lot. Like, they, it was a real threat that the Nazis could like, you know, take over the world. Like it was like a real possibility and they understood the dangers, but then do you still participate in that? And then also you saw that whole thing, like they had a conversation, like, should we even drop after the Nazi surrender? Should we drop on Japan? Would they surrender? Would they not have, if you had not dropped it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is like this again, it's about intent. Like this is clearly just about this man and like just about humanity, like trying to grapple with these with these questions and even like that atmosphere question like how do you know that there's even a slight possibility of igniting the atmosphere and still go through with the test you know how do you do that when you it's a near zero sure but there's a possibility that you ignite the atmosphere and destroy the world and you still test go through with it that's crazy yeah, yeah, so, that's, uh, that's yeah. what makes this movie so such an interesting biopic, because it's, you know it, it it's about somebody that literally holds like like built the strongest weapon that humans have ever developed, and that's like a mm-hmm. scary thing like to grapple with, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, just to, to close this in here and get some quick thoughts out before we wrap up, uh, we talked about what the cast was forgot to mention. Dane DeHaan, Alden Ehrenreich, Rami Malek, all showing up in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Alden given a career best performance, I would argue. Um, when we think about how this movie, I think, plays for awards, Nolan's a lock for best director nomination. Mm-hmm. Killian Murphy, lock for best lead actor nomination. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I would put RDJ in there for best supporting actor. Oh, for sure. You said it, yep. Dude, dude yep. crushed it. I think Nolan for uh, best adapted screenplay. Um, sound design and sound sound editing, sound mixing. Aaron, those are the two. Yep. I feel like it's got to be in there for those. Uh, score for sure. Cinematography. Um, I mean, I'm at eight right now. And it's just I, on yeah, my head. I mean, you know how the Academy gets, though. It's like once you get to five, it's like, and hey, we even bother giving them the other ones. You know what I mean? It's Walla Land. Just throwing that out there. Look, all right. You know, the movie about LA. Okay. I love LA. And I do love mm-hmm. LA. That's right. Well guys, we gotta get to our closing thoughts here. Um what are we, what are we thinking? Did we like it? What do we think? Really uh, quick. <laughs> wait, really quick, before our closing thoughts. I did uh, you know what I, I I told I want to make sure to bring this up because this uh pertains to all of us. It was again about like how like he uh he puts the score over everything like blah blah blah. <laughs> it was it made me think like Okay, imagine if you put score over one of those dialogue scenes, one of those scene, any scene from the original Twelve Angry Men, right? That's like an that could be an argument, like because that didn't have any score. 
Harley, the original 12 Angry Men yeah. we've all seen, obviously, did on the podcast. Uh, like, imagine putting a Hans Zimmer, you know, Inception, do, 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 over one of those, you know, and uh, and whatever, like, blah, blah. I think that's, like, been how it, it's been, like, minimalized or whatever, like, saying, like, Chris Nolan did this, but, like, 12 Angry Men didn't have to do this, like, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. In my view, I feel like it's just different styles, you know, like, different... Ways yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's like best equated to, like, okay, so camera movement very dynamic in a modern age, right? For example, mm-hmm. the the Civil War scene, uh, we talked about Avengers earlier. The Civil War scene where they're fighting and they both both like the team Iron Man team Captain America clash, right? That classic mm-hmm. scene, and then the camera sweeps down and over them as they're going. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Uh, but you know you're you're also and then you cut back to like the 50s 12 angry men where the camera doesn't even go into a handheld position it's on a tripod the entire film for the for 99 percent of it and and i I think it can be equated to that where it's like yeah we don't you don't need it but shit like we can do it now so why not like Mm -hmm. it's it's just a different in style i mean you you see it from like the 70s to the 80s the different style 80s to the 90s 90s mm-hmm. to 2000s like it's it's just it's just a stylistic choice that's that's all it is and anyone like mm-hmm. anyone saying that doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about mm-hmm. yeah i mean i was just gonna say i don't think it's a very apt comparison at all mm-hmm. um but then aaron covered all my thoughts so i agree yeah. i got you spence yeah. don't worry exactly. i got you back it, yeah they speak hey. different they it's shot different it's edited yeah it, different, it, it'd be know? like it'd it's be just... like saying like picasso shouldn't draw a square like that he should just draw it like how they drew it in like the fucking yeah you know yeah exactly yeah it's yeah, like a, it's oh, a somebody different has style. already drawn a square you don't need to draw the square exactly. all differently like that what the fuck like if someone <laughs> yeah, already drew a square it's just stupid, yeah, it's a, stupid it, argument. it doesn't make it better or worse you know it matters yeah. how it's executed exactly it's like i could enjoy 12 angry men just as much as i can enjoy oppenheimer it, it, it couldn't be more different movies you know what i mean or or even better example pads mm-hmm. of glory another movie about war like it's two extremely different movies like n- no mm-hmm. like they're very different. Couldn't be more opposite in the terms of war movies. And and yet, I can get things that I like about both of them, but they're very different in how they're executed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, was that, uh, what was that school of rock line? You're asking me to sell my guitar? Would you ask Picasso to sell his guitar? <laughs> <laughs> yes. One of, the, one of the best movies of all time. Can I just say that? Up there with the fucking Santa Claus. Up there with the Santa Richard Claus. Richard Linklater. Richard Linklater. <laughs> under, one of his most underrated movies of all time. It is excellent. It's so good. Yeah. Underrated? Okay. It's right, underrated. We, we can't do this. We can't do it. We're, we're over. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> man, it's okay. No, nobody okay. followed my actual direction. Grandpa. Of final thoughts. This guy. Ten out, this movie is a 10 out of 10. Gio, you're always talking about how the podcast episodes are too long. You are. Well, I reel it in. When it's, you know, uh episode we don't need to spend too much time on. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying. <laughs> I, maybe when I should it, When's the Spencer pick? Am I right, Gio? <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah, those we gotta keep to a tight 45 if not 40 but, but when right. me and Gio pick what shit the holy mountain episode I'm expecting Hour that nap. to be two hours I'm expecting yeah, that one run. to push let two let it run let's just riff <laughs> we didn't even did talk right. about the movie uh, Oppenheimer's a 10 out of 10 I loved it it's perfect thank you Christopher Nolan for making it Gio go you have 20 seconds uh, I will be using all of it yeah yeah <laughs> The way that Nolan captures a sense oh. of hidden power in nature. Like, there's a power that's beautiful. Spencer's <laughs> <Both, laughs> going to be cursing your both, name tomorrow. This is great. Both comprehensible and incomprehensible at the same time. It reminds me of Interstellar. Yeah, no, this, <laughs> this movie's a 10 out of 10. I mean, what do you say really about it? You know, again, we've discussed it uh, to no end. Um, I, it's amazing. Yeah, 10 out of 10. It, yeah. Love it. I'm reading the book, by the way. I would love to mention that. I'm going to gloat about it. <laughs> Dude, let me, let me borrow that, that book after you're done, Gio. I actually I need wanna, to know. I borrow that. <laughs> I need, of course, of course. I'm going to finish it soon. I'm like, yeah, I'm literally already more than halfway done. So, um, What's it called? Uh, Oppenheimer. Movie's pretty good. I liked it. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I can't really think of anything I'd change about it, and I feel like I've said that line a lot on the show. Um, but yeah, for, for that reason, I got to give it like I'm, I'm kind of torn. I feel like, I feel like I 
I feel like walking out of the theater, I would have rated it a nine, but upon thinking about it more and the conversation that we've had today, I feel like has bumped it up to a 9.5. Wow. Wow. I, I don't know how I feel about a 10 because again, I like it's, it's top five Nolan, but like, you know, can't all be tens. Well, I think. Well, I mean, they can. Um, we're talking about Nolan or Spielberg, you know. Hey, all of Spielberg's movies are tens, according to Spencer. Not even remotely close to what I said, but whatever. That's, uh, Thank uh, you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. Aaron, I'll get right into this mic and scream. I'll do it. God. Thank you for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it. Till the next time. I'm Spencer, and I'm Aaron. I'm Gio. And this has been the 35mm Colonoscopy Podcast telling you that if you have a joke that you want to scream in a movie theater, you better be sure it's going to land. <laughs> and check your apples. Good one, Spence. Mm-hmm.